Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. We're going to begin with the story of spiraling electricity prices in the province of Ontario. Never cheaper to produce, never more expensive for the consumer, and the worst is yet to come, declares our guest, Ross McKittrick. He's an economics professor at the University of Guelph. He's an author, and he's a columnist with the Financial Post. And, uh, Ross, thank you very much for, for taking the time. I mean, this was all brought forward in, a, in a, just a small news story, and I'll be talking to the man involved later on, actually just in a few minutes' time, supermarket in northern Ontario that's been serving the community for 37 years, upgraded all its refrigeration uh, equipment, and still found they could not afford the hydro costs and closed two-thirds of their 5,000-square-foot store. Mm. So there's one story, one person, one business. And I'll I'll start my conversation with you by asking this question. Why are Ontarians paying so much more for electricity now? Uh, Well, good afternoon, Roy. Um, As I explained in a a column I wrote in the Financial Post uh, back in the summer, which we've talked about, um, although the cost to generate electricity now is... Uh, historically very low. It's the lowest it's been in decades. There's a surcharge that's added to your electricity cost called the global adjustment. And uh, it is used to support a what basically is a slush fund that the province manages to cover cost overruns uh, in the rest of the electricity system, especially things related to um, paying renewable power generators, and then some of it also goes to nuclear refurbishment costs and um, hydro facilities. Uh, um, a lot of the small hydro facilities that have been built in the recent uh, years are, are very high-cost facilities. Um, so it's basically it's taken uh, the market out of the whole picture. So at a time when the, the market is providing electricity cheaper than ever, um, innovations, fracking of natural gas, um, new uh, supply sources um, mean we could actually be paying a very low cost for electricity. This, um, this government-run system called the Global Adjustment, um, the, the amounts that they've committed to mean that they have to tack on an extremely large surcharge each month to your electricity bill through the Global Adjustment. And so it used to be the Global Adjustment was um, maybe half a cent per kilowatt hour uh, 10 years ago, and it's now at about 11 cents per kilowatt hour. And so um, the cost of electricity, meanwhile, has gone down to about 3 cents per kilowatt hour, the actual um, price we pay to generate it. So what you're seeing on your bills is not money that's um, required to actually produce the electricity. It's money that's required to cover the cost of all these government programs that have been brought in. And you write that even if Ontarians try to conserve power or do conserve power and demand drops in hydro rates, these rates will climb nevertheless, and exporting power often ends up with Ontario exporting surplus power at a loss. So, So who negotiated this? This, this program, and we now have Ontario signing a deal with Quebec for a billion dollars for hydro, as I understand it, we don't need. Yeah, on, well, on the conservation side, um, uh, a lot of the, the contracts that have been signed uh, guarantee the payments to generators. Um, it's, it's a revenue guarantee, and so um, they're guaranteed a certain amount each month, and if the 
demand isn't there in the system, so the system isn't actually selling enough power, then the amount that uh, they're short uh, each month goes up. So then that's why the rates go up as um, if conservation, if people respond to high prices and, and conservation programs and actually cut their consumption, shrinks the market, and it means uh, there's a higher cost at the end of the month that the global adjustment has to cover. But it doesn't so, matter. It doesn't matter if you cut your usage. It your, get, your costs are going up uh, anyway. Either way, yes. So... Um, uh, at, at the system level, conservation actually works against us because it means uh, the hourly rates are forced up. As far as the exporting goes, that's a big problem this time of year because all those wind turbines, this is the time of year that they're running uh, at full tilt because we have a lot of wind, especially in the middle of the night in the fall in October and November. But that's the time when system demand is at the absolute minimum because People don't have their air conditioners on, uh, they don't have the lights on, it's the middle of the night. So we have far more electricity in the system than we can use, and that's when we have to dump it on um, the export market. Uh, if we're lucky, well, we, we pay 13.5 cents per kilowatt hour to the wind turbine operators, and those are 20-year contracts. So, like, we have to pay uh, whenever the wind is blowing. And... Um, so we're buying it from them at 13 and a half cents. We would be lucky to get one cent per kilowatt hour on the export market uh, when we're dumping it. And so uh, this time of year, we are losing a lot of money on these export sales. And you're right that all of this tinkering, and that's a scary number you just ran by us, but, yeah. but you're right that all of this tinkering produced no special environmental benefits. In fact, closing the coal-fired power plants resulted in zero environmental gain because those plants were already, and this is 2005, responsible for less than 2% of fine particulate. Uh, yes, that's one of the, the points that um, it should have been, well, the government should have been honest about it up front. They had lots of... Um, propaganda out there about how uh, coal-fired power plants were polluting the skies and, and killing the children. And um, But the reality is uh, they were very small players um, in, as far as our own particulate emission sources go compared to other industries and motor vehicles. The coal-fired power sector gave us about as much particulates as the meatpacking plants. And in other words, they, they just weren't a big deal. And the government's own simulations showed um, when they, they had um, an independent engineering firm run simulations, what would happen to air quality in the province if we shut these plants down? And the numbers came back. It's extremely small. You wouldn't even notice it, except in the immediate vicinity of those plants. And then making things worse, um, between the Lampton and Nanticoke power plants, there are 12 generating units altogether. Four of the 12 had been through a retrofit that put state-of-the-art scrubbers on them. And those scrubbers were capturing 95% of the particulate emissions. So you basically have got the um, equivalent particulate reductions compared to shutting the plants down altogether just from installing these scrubbers. And if they just finished that, if they just finished the installation on the other eight units, they would have got the equivalent reduction in particulates uh, without having to shut the plants down. We'd still be um, operating those coal-fired power plants um, but we wouldn't have been getting particulate emissions out of them. They'd have been running at um, very clean rates. And then we wouldn't have had to go through this whole renewables procurement and all the tinkering with the system, and we'd, we'd be paying a lot less for our electricity, and we'd have uh, the same very small environmental improvements. The Premier called Ontarians really bad actors 
as far as greenhouse gas uh, production is concerned, that we're just not doing what we should be doing. And and as I said, you just explained to us that all of this tinkering really produced no special environmental benefit. So we know where we are. What we need to know is, based on the information you provided us, and the fact that 20-year contracts are out there, they're going to have to be fulfilled and riding on the back of the consumer. For the consumer and the small business person who today is horrified at the hydro bills they receive, what will those bills look like one year from now, two years from now, three years from now? Well, I looked at this uh, in a couple of reports that I did for the Fraser Institute over the past two years. And uh, two years ago, uh, when um, Tom Adams and I did a study, we at that point said the coming rate increases will drive down the rate of return to manufacturing in the province by about 10%. And you're going to start seeing businesses respond, as you indicated, uh, in that case, a retail business, but people having to, to shut down. And um, uh, the um, Chamber of Commerce um, put out some numbers showing the same thing, that they had a lot, a lot of their members were planning to cancel investments or shut down altogether. So that's part of what people are going to see. Um, as far as the rate increases go, um, the, it depends on um, if the government actually keeps doing what it says it's going to do. I mean, they're, um, they've cancelled one of their future renewables procurement programs, but they, um, they still have a lot of uh, procurement contracts uh, on the table, and um, their ultimate goal is to bring in um, uh, a lot more uh, generating capacity through wind and solar than we currently have. And um, it, so to answer your question, it really comes down to whether the government stays on its same course. Um, if they do, then um, uh, the cost will just keep going up at, at something like the pace that we've seen in the last couple of years. Um, I don't see how they can do that. I mean, they're already realizing that this is a crushing burden for households. And they're also realizing, hopefully, that... The people that promised them they could make these changes to the electricity grid and it won't cost us anything um, didn't know what they were talking about and um, that the numbers never added up. And so um, as for what happens in the future, it really depends on um, on the policy decisions that are made. I mean, that's how we got to where we are. Uh, as I said at the beginning, it's not the market that uh, has done this to people. It's not the, the wholesale electricity market. Uh, these are policy-driven rate increases. Yeah. Tom, um, Ross, it's really frightening, actually, when government makes decisions like these decisions that impact on everyone and dramatically impact on everyone's ability to be economically safe based on information that is useless. Yeah. That's the, that's the scary part. They did not understand or choose to understand and properly ratify what was what they were being told, and they went forward based on information that was, to use your your word, useless. Raj, thank you so much for the time. I'm about to speak to a businessman in northern Ontario who had to close two-thirds of his grocery store, which has been serving the community for 37 years because... Yeah, very rates. sad story. Yeah. yeah, it is. Thank you, Ross. Appreciate the time. You're welcome. All the best. Ross Bye. McKittrick, University of Guelph economics professor. Read his uh, columns in the Financial Post.